Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Poofy on Reason. This is Geology. J-Mo. <laughs> Mike the Baptist. <laughs> so how are you guys doing today? We're all right, man. We're all, We're all right. Busy. Been very busy. You got a shout out today, Mike? I don't have a shout out of the week. Shout out to everyone who's listening. Love you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for continuing to support Proof Beyond Reason. Um, if you want to be a sponsor, if you want to... Uh, to dialogue with us, hit us up at proofbeyondreason at gmail.com, our Facebook page, send us a message, Instagram, YouTube, whatever whatever avenue you want to hit us up on. Uh, we also can be heard on SoundCloud, iTunes, so uh, please, please, please share that information, get the word out so people can listen. I actually have a shout out. Um, yes. Oh. If you guys, uh, this this kind of series kind of uh, kind of touched my life. Um, it's basically you can find it on YouTube. I think he has different sources. Um, his I don't know the exact name of the person that makes it. I know that he's Scottish. He has the ill voice. It sounds so cool when you're watching these videos. Uh, but it's called the Fuel Project. Um, Bible believer uh, gives complete Bible references. He has more than one different. Um, when you go on YouTube and you go into his profile, he has different, different things. Um, I There's one on the book of Revelation where he breaks down Revelation. I've seen this three times because for, I don't know about you, but Revelation was really symbolic and, and very hard to understand. So this guy helped me understand like the book of mm -hmm. Revelation. But then he also has other ones on knowing the enemy. Mm -hmm. So it goes into the origins of, you know, Adam and Eve all the way to kind of what we're going to be talking about today, to uh, of Babylon, and, and then also the future and, and the Antichrist and stuff like that. So That's cool. uh, if you got time, uh, and you can take it at your own pace because there are 10 many videos, but there's 77 of, of the videos. So, <laughs> But but you could take your time, yeah, 10, yeah, minute, yeah. 10 minutes at a time. So, yeah, What's it called out. again? It's called The Fuel Project. He has two series that I've particularly seen. The first one is Know Your Enemy. And the second one is uh, Revelation, which is right. an in-depth study. So, dope, dope guy. Um, and I just encourage everybody to check that out. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, John is famous for sending me links to very lengthy <laughs> video <laughs> series. So he always he always says something like, "Yeah, man, you gotta check it out. It's only ninety hours <laughs> worth." And I'm like, "Bro, ninety hours is like, yeah, I've seen it four times or whatever." Um, no, but it sounds like really good stuff. Uh, we're going to play a clip later on uh, in the show. and uh, But today we're going to be diving into Babylon. So last week, you know, when we were discussing, G pulled out of left wing. He just came out of nowhere. It was like, boom, you know, there's these, there's these tablets from Babylon. It predates uh, uh, most of the scriptures, so on and so forth. And kind of threw us through a loop when it came to what the story entailed. Um, so after the episode, we decided, you know what, we're going to tackle this topic of Babylon and, uh, and and see what we come up with. And and I got to read the story that you referenced, so the story that that talks about the, uh, the resurrection, the supposed resurrection in three days, dead, the sprinkling of all that. And, um, and, and there's not like a direct tie to christ you know in that way it is a completely different uh reference one is uh is a is mythology one is historical but uh but in reading it i can see where people would say yeah there's a definite merge and it makes sense why uh that's the case so so babylon today talking about it um i'm gonna start here 
I'm using the Ancient History Encyclopedia found on ancient.edu, a description that they give on Babylon. Uh, And it says, Babylon is the most famous city from ancient Mesopotamia, whose ruins lie in modern-day Iraq, 59 miles southwest of Baghdad. The name is thought to derive from, I'm not going to even read that, um, which is meant to say gate of God or gate of the gods. And uh, this city owns it, owes its fame to many references the Bible makes of it, uh, which all are unfavorable. Uh, in the book of Genesis, chapter 11, Babylon is featured in the story of the Tower of Babel. And the name Babel actually translates uh, to mean um, confusion. That's the actual uh, translation uh, in Hebrew. And so, um, so keep going. Babylon also appears predominantly in biblical books such as Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and many others, most notably the book of Revelation, and so on and so forth. So we'll get into a lot of those things um, today. And as I continue to scroll down and the information is provided in, on the website, it says, uh, outside of the sinful reputation given Given it by the Bible, the city is known for its impressive walls and buildings, its reputation as a great seat of learning and culture, the formation of code of law, which predates the Mosaic law, and for the hanging gardens of Babylon, which were man-made terraces of flora, flora and fauna, watered by machinery, which uh, were cited by... Herodotus as one of the seven wonders of the world. Um, so Babylon being a, a, a real place, Babylon being a major influence in world culture at large. And I think it is pretty interesting that when we look at this, the, the story of Babylon being this evil, seemingly evil, sinful, horrid, pagan place, uh, and then you have God's people, you have Israel, and you have this, this kind of like battle between two two countries, two cities, two major influences in the world. Yeah, so um, from what I understand, um, I know like um, you have Babel from like the Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. but then there's like this point in the Bible where God cleanses the world. Um, the flood, and then there's Babylon, which is is more of like an empire. Mm-hmm. It's it's more than just Nineveh was in there, uh, but the location is very interesting to me. When I was doing some research, um, it's in the the like in the Bible where it describes the Garden Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. uh, the garden, and and um, because of sin entering in the world, God basically closes the, those those type of gates to the garden, but it says it's in between like the Euphrates River, and it puts it in that general region. Right. So it's, it's kind of interesting that Babylon, um, which comes from, and he's probably going to describe a little bit more, but uh, from the lineage of um, Noah, there's like a rebirth, a restarting of mm-hmm. like nations, and then out of those people come this guy named Ham, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a uh, lineage of Noah. And this guy named Nimrod, and, and he's probably going to go real in-depth in that. Um, but 
this guy is kind of like the founding father of this type of empire, you know. And it's so it's so crazy that out of all the places he chooses to build this empire, it's probably in that exact location of Adam and Eve and the fall. So it's it's not a coincidence in my opinion, but it's interesting that he chooses to bring it back to that location. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and 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 you know, um, the thing that kind of intrigued me about just reciting and thinking about Babylon is, um, you know, whenever whenever there's an enemy of God, some kind of enemy of God, there's a duplication, there's a mimicking of what he's doing, what he's building, and you know, if Satan himself is, you know, is spoken of as kind of that that equivalent or that representative of Nimrod, right, then um, then it would make sense that there would be a duplicate. There would be a duplicate nation. There would be duplicate um, uh, initiatives. I remember one time you, we were uh, talking and you had said something like um, that there ha- it has to be a copy. So things like speaking in tongues, right? If the church speaks in tongues, speaking in tongues also has to exist in in the in the demonic realm as well, because it must be a copy. Um, you said uh, also once um, the same thing with scriptures. You know, if you have the holy scriptures, you must have a duplication. You must have a way to duplicate what God is doing. And if uh, if Satan had the position, you know, as Lucifer that that we understand him to have, then there's insight that he has that we don't have that he has. He clearly understands the you know the the, the path or or the or the, the plan of salvation for man. Like he knows that he attacks it. He 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 went after Jesus, knowing, understanding what that looks like, uh, but not being able to do much against it, but trying everything he can to to go against it. Um, you know, a nation, the languages, the 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 power, the just replication, something to duplicate. Um, but I'm gonna do it first. Yep. So that it looks like you're making a copy. So I'm gonna be the first to move on it. And then when you do it, the people are going to be deceived and they're going to think that it was you're copying off of me. Or you're copying off of what we're doing. So you're going to be seen as false. I see him as not being the leader in a sense because Satan tried to stop the birth of Jesus, right? But then he couldn't. And then now he's like, okay, I got to deal with it. So yeah. it's his, his not leading, with it. he's kind of reacting rather than. Right, but when you look at the from the human standpoint, as far as documentation is concerned, oh, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, it, good point. It would good. be it would be a genius you're to right. say, you know you're what? Right. Uh, I'm gonna put this to paper first. Right, right. You're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, uh, yes, it, it would be the other way around. But from the human standpoint, we would look at it and say, well, from this documentary support. This story aligns with this story, so you must have copied off of him because we're using human reasoning. Um, but when we dig deeper, you know, and I have some other opinions on that, but what do you got, you? All right, I'm going to start off with three quotes. Um, oh, that's actually a little bit weird. Let me pull this this way because I don't know why I feel like it's – Is it affecting? I'm getting some kind of feedback. Yeah, that's all right. right. So I'm going to start off with three quotes. First one is going to be from a Dr. Clarence Larkin from his book Dispensational Truth. It says, Babel or Babylon was built by Nimrod, Genesis 10, verse 8 through 10. It was the seat of great apostasy. Here, the Babylonian cult was invented, a system claimed to possess the highest wisdom and to reveal the div- uh, divinest secrets. And then we go on to the next quote. 
which says Babylon the Great is the secret name. It's telling us that Babylon the Great refers to a religious system, which is referred by uh, John Hampton Heathley III from the description of religious Babylon. And then we're going to go on to the last quote, which I'll talk about. And it says, in ancient days, Satan seemed to make Babylon the capital of his evil operation. From his headquarters, from this headquarter was started all false religions. So, in the whole occultic, or from what scholars have found studying Babylon, Babylon was not seen as an empire. Babylon was seen more as a religious system, a thought process, or a way of the founding of all religions. That's interesting. So it wasn't a, a group of people, but it was a group, a group of people that were like a like an insider, cultish. It was it was like a way of thinking. Cultish. Correct. Whoa. Yes. So you had Nimrod. Nimrod was considered by three names at the time. You had Nimrod, which was just the king himself that developed the whole system. The actual king. The actual okay. king. Yes. Okay. He was known as Nimrod, the man of renown. Yeah. Nimrod. In the Bible, he's actually the first king mentioned. Yep. So other than Jesus, no, that they didn't come on the scene until later, but uh, he's literally could have been the very first king. Mm-hmm. The actual M- like king of a of a of a of an empire type of king? Are we oh symbolic king? Symbolic king. Okay, we're talking symbolic. Before king. you had um before you had Babylon, you still had the Assyrian Empire. When the Assyrian Empire fell, that's when Babylon started forming up. That's why we have all the Sumerian texts and all that stuff coming up. You have the, all the codes, all the laws coming up into play because he, the, he started developing a system where people became organized. So you had the Tower of Babel. A lot of people think the Tower of Babel is, in a way, a building. But the Tower of Babel is not, in a sense, a building. We talked about it last week. It's more of a collective. So it's almost like a shadow, not like shadow government, shadow empire of, of a way of thinking. It wasn't a shadow. It was more so coming all together. Like, he saw that the people were separated. So instead, he wanted to unite and develop this one system. But in his thinking, Nimrod believed himself to be descended directly from the god, which in their belief was Enel, which is E-N-L-I-L. And from that, you have his version, which was he's known as Nimrod. He's known as Murdoch. Murdoch basically is the reincarnated version of what Ishtar said when he died, where we talked about the Easter. So you had Easter, you had also December 25th, which was the birth of Nimrod. So that's where you get your earliest versions of Christmas, the winter solstice, that started coming into play with paganism. That a lot of different religions started saying that, oh, it's a copycat. Well, Christianity is a copycat of that, but it's only because December 25th. Nimrod. Right. And then, of course, you have his infamous name, which is Dagon, which is translated Dagon, dragon, or man of renown. Something with the fish, right? Fish king. Fish king as well. That's where you have the, a lot of people saying that the fish that you see in the bumper stickers, fishes that you see in the car. Or uh, Starbucks. Yeah. Basically, yes. It's like a copycat. And I mean, you can track down even for Babylon, Starbucks, that's supposed to be a representation of Ishtar which a lot of people don't know as well. But like we were saying, or we, what we said before during Easter, Babylon is the foundation of everything. So you have this religious system, not necessarily an empire, even though it was an empire at the time. Right, because you had 
kings like Nebuchadnezzar exactly. and so forth who were rulers of that nation that encompassed other nations as well. So it was, it was, uh, it was if you want to picture Babylon for the people who are listening, you're thinking of, you know, the Roman Empire had rule over a certain geographic proximity that included other countries or other, other, you know, uh, other, other people. But, you know, uh, Roman Empire had the king of kings, essentially. So you could kind of mimic that and say Babylon had a king of kings sort of thing mm-hmm. when it comes to, to that. So. But everything came into play because not necess- Nimrod from the beginning knew his system was not necessarily to give worship to himself. It was to give worship to the deity that he actually worshipped at the time, which I'll read a quote from Alexander Hislop. He wrote the two Babylons. Uh, this is in the second American edition on page 5 and 24. So it says, the Tower of Babel was actually the worship of Satan in the form of fire, the sun, and the serpent. However, Satan worship could not be done openly because of the many who still believed in the true God of Noah. So mystery religion began at Babel where Satan could be worshipped in secret. So the mysteries, that's kind of where you hear the That's where you see Jewish, uh, Jewish Gnosticism or Jewish mysticism where we have the Kabbalah, alchemy. That's where those started to stem from. Or the Egyptian religions at the time, their many forms of magic at the time. So those those practitioners would be kind of the shadow within the gov not government but within like society, they would be the shadow of like you know what I mean like they would be with you but not with you. Correct. Yes. They'll still be the ones that give counsel because then you like take for example in Egyptian times where you had the pharaohs and he had his uh, his priests or but the priests at the time were still known as magicians. So they even studied their own form of arts. Or, or it's interesting that the that is the, the definition that you gave was that those type of people were great builders and the something about the knowledge, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, just to get the thought clear um, from the ancient encyclopedia, ancient.edu. It says these people were, yeah, uh, it says city known for impressive walls and buildings, its reputation as great seats of learning and culture, the formation of co- of a code of law which predates the Mosaic law and the hanging, uh, hanging gardens of Babylon, which are man-made terraces, uh, which would be seen as one of the seven wonders of the world, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, not necessarily existing uh-huh. in the world. And I mean, going back to what you were saying, though, the meaning of Babylon, or what they can translate it to, is gate of the gods. Because yes. what they saw it is as the tower, where they were building the tower was, it was their elevation to become close to godness as possible. It wasn't, you'll have what we know as, um, in the Kabbalah, you have the eight points, or the, mm-hmm. the eight elevations, the nine elevations, where you have human consciousness, and then you're trying to ascend that to a new spiritual realm. So, the new age, you'll see a lot of that, uh, a lot of the people saying that we have to raise our consciousness, we have to go to another vibration. We have different religions still talking about it, where you have chakra points, Hinduism, Taoism, mm-hmm. all those things. Mm-hmm. You have even, you could say, Jehovah's Witnesses, where they talk about some of the things that they got from Messianic stuff, where Masonry, you can actually stem it directly from Babylon. And that's exactly kind of where I was trying to go is that it's kind of interesting that those people were builders similar to like 
if you know a little bit about the history of the Mason, the Freemasons, but before that was Masons, they were actual builders, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they had this type of secret knowledge. And uh, from my understanding, they 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 know a lot about Babylon, and, and yep. they worship pretty much a similar things. And it's just so funny that it's kind of like these same throughout history, these still like shadow groups still. And not to get people confused, uh, masonry is very complicated because you have Freemasonry, what people see nowadays. You'll see people with the bumper stickers. You'll see people, quote unquote, uh, doing good service, coming together, different religions. That's something, a key thing that people have to take note is that they accept every single religion. Right from the bat, they accept every single religion and said, you can worship that, this or that. But yet, as you keep going on through the levels, you start seeing the truth of what they actually worship. But apart from that, masonry is a fraternity within uh, within a fraternity. So what you see in the cover is not what it really is on the inside. So you'll have your 33rd degrees, and then after that, follows on higher levels so that you can continue to find out wisdom. Because their stance is always, you have to elevate your mind to attain that power or attain that level of consciousness. Because to them, the tower was destroyed. So they're just trying to rebuild. And then they're not sure. They see, the confusion is, is that sometimes, I don't know about you, but before I had spoke to you, I literally was a believer that I thought it was a physical building that they were trying to build. But the reality is, is that it's, it, they're trying to be united in, in, in a t- type of religion or is it more of a conscious of it's, thought? It's what we have now that a lot of people know who study about the cultural conspiracies, which is the One New World Order or the a New World Order, where you have your Georgia Guidestones, which reads that there should be one world religion, there should be uh, one world government. And that's what they're trying to establish, period. So in the time of Babylon or the time of Nebuchadnezzar, that was the reason, because for those that don't know, um, God destroyed a physical mm-hmm. building, right? But he also confused the language Correct. so he that there would not be oneness in the sense of, of these people. Not that God doesn't want us to be united in love for him, right? It was a separation it from what they were doing because they were literally doing Satan, uh, Satan worship at the time. It's like when Moses went up and then they had the... They were starting to worship all together. And yet, um, Mount Sinai. Yeah. Yep. And then you have Moses coming down and seeing all this, what, what's happening. People always looked for a way, like, to see proof. And at the time, things were completely open. So you had people doing these bizarre things. Like, you had um, what you see examples of Moses with uh, the, the priests of the Pharaoh that they're making snakes out of. Nothing. They're making blood out of river, things like that. At the time, magic was prominent. So you had people seeing all this proof, and then you had the people who were still believing during the days of Noah that God, the one true God, but yet they were hidden in the shadows still, but yet still practicing or unleashing all this. So people were slowly starting to get influence. So the reason why the Tower of Babel is so significant in its in the separation and and to to exclude unity is because the unity wasn't around worshiping the true God. The unity was around worshiping, worshiping Satan. Satan. Correct. So in, in when we hear things like New World Order, wanting a one-world currency, like Bitcoin, trying to push this one-world currency, one-world government, uh, 
it's not necessarily because we're trying to make benefit for humankind, though it can be seen that way. It, so what you are saying, and I'm trying to interpret it for the people listening, is that the unity is is going to be ultimately uh, to to unite us closer to our sin, to unite us closer to Satan and, and, and the pursuits that he has for us versus so like if we had all this stuff, you know, one world government and currency and all that, but it was united under the the banner of worshiping the true God, then then but that's not the plan. That's not what we see in scripture. That's not what is ultimately going to be executed. He's the one who's going to bring that down to earth. He's going to create that because within ourselves as we as we do it, uh we're trying to to muster up within ourselves what we believe will ultimately be godly. That's, I think that's the issue, mm-hmm. right? The issue is we're trying to create our own heaven, our own godliness, our own righteousness. And, and, and even if we are successful in doing that here on earth, we are fall short of his glory and we, we are doomed to judgment. We already been condemned. Jesus said, you were already condemned. I came to save you. Um, so it's just kind of, I guess, further condemnation or something? I don't know. I mean, a good example of, for those of you who are listening that don't have a clear idea of uh, the Babylon that's trying to be formed or how Babylon would appear to be, is um, there was a movie by, with Vin Diesel. I don't know if you guys remember. It's exactly called John's Babylon. watched every Vin Diesel movie, so ask him. Babylon I'm not, AD. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Babylon AD. Anyone seen that? No. Babylon AD. He did. Oh yeah, I do remember seeing it, but I saw it once and it wasn't impactful, so I don't know the plot. I don't remember. <laughs> well, in Babylon AD, it. they had their one religion. <laughs> wasn't that a show? Babylon uh, AD. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I haven't watched the show, but they had a movie called Babylon AD, and within it, they were supposed to see the coming of someone that was supposed to save them, which was a girl at the time, but. They were all led by one religion. They were all led by one government at the time, and they were waiting for their savior. And it was supposed to depict, uh, if I remember correctly, what the director said in an interview. He wanted to make it a, from the book, he wanted to make it more realistic to what he would read about in Revelations. So the girl was supposed to represent the coming of, like, Jesus, and he, she was going to destroy the system that was established for years. So unification and Within that, you see people, even though there was supposed to be peace, there was supposed to be this government, you still saw a whole bunch of rampant sin, like humanity to its primal nature at its core. But yet people were supposedly happy all the time. But yet they followed their sin strictly to a T. Like they did whatever they wanted to. So there, okay, so let me, let me bring it back. And I'll just give a brief recap to bring it back to what you just said. Because okay. um, I'm, yeah, I'm, it, a, I'm it, all over the place. Okay, I'm me, all over all the place. All right, let me, let me, let me provide. <laughs> and I'm on the show. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Okay, let's, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to speak for a little bit. Please, all right. yeah. All right, so in the Bible, yeah. it describes Adam and Eve. There's a fall of man. Yes. Right? Uh, through the lineage of their sons, Cain and Abel, you know, there's, there's evil, there's rampant. In, in early in the scriptures, Within, I think, the chapter 5, that he already goes into the Tower of Babel. So Nimrod was already on the scene at this point, 
so there was blatant evil there was in in the bible if you if you uh you can see how god hated that so he destroyed that oneness right he destroyed the oneness of chapter 10 genesis of, chapter 10 of, thank you um he destroyed that oneness but the oneness was a system of thought of magic of of just evil in the point of that they could be their own gods apart from him right so he destroys that confuses the language that's where we get the, the word babel you fast forward a little bit uh humanity did not get better it got actually worse yep. to the point where god in the time of noah says there's no one good not even one and there's this pleading with noah and god and and noah saying to god if there's only 10 okay noah if there's only 10 if there's only five, okay, if there's only five. If there's only one, there's not one person, Noah, to the point where God decides, and it says in the Bible that he he almost, it hurts him to the point where he almost wishes that he didn't even create humanity. But Noah was found righteous in God's eyes, him and, and his immediate family, his sons, and I think his daughters of his, of his uh, sons, and Lot, I think, which was one of his relatives. So God saves the remnant, right? Floods the entire world. Sodom and Gomorrah, which were just rampant homosexuality, rampant, it's not even about that, but just evilness continual, right? So he creates, he, 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 um, yeah, Lot was not. That was different. That was yeah. after. Well, right? only Noah and his children. Noah and his, Noah's and his, children. And his family. Okay. Noah and his family. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And Noah then came that out. comes Lot later because with Abraham. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so um, then you have, you know, uh, Noah comes in later, and out of the lineage, Ham comes out, and then that's where Nimrod comes out. Right. So you can see throughout history, this agenda is always there. Even at the Tower of Babel, they didn't even call it Babylon at the time. It was pre-everything, right? So then Nimrod comes in the scene after Noah, and then Correct. then we have this whole thing where the flood comes in, the remnant. And so we think that it's all good, that God is, is thing, but out of the lineage of Noah comes this man named Ham, and out of Ham comes Nimrod, and this whole cycle comes in. And so it's it's like ever-evolving. We can't get rid of this, this frame of thought, right? Well, what you said, G, not to interrupt, um, you had said that it's kind of like um, it's an ever-evolving, like a kind of chameleon. The, this Babylon that we're talking about is not just the physical here is Babylon. It's a, it's a thought, but belief system. Correct, yeah, and it, and, it, and it transcends into the Egyptian culture, and then it, then it changed the Assyrian culture, and then Persia, and then Rome, and then kind of where it is today in modern-day Babylon. Um, so it, it doesn't go away. It's it's not something that here are the ruins and and Babylon was here and then it's no more. Kind of like the Canaanites and all these people. No, Babylon influenced all of that and it just like continues. Even when even when uh, a nation has dominated. So like um, so like when Assyria eventually took over, they they like became Babylon. Like it wasn't that they they now dominated this area the thought process was so instilled that Correct. everyone else just adopted what was Correct. previous. Okay. Okay. And even Nebuchadnezzar you mentioned earlier. Yes. Nebuchadnezzar comes way after. That comes uh four or five hundred years later. Right. 
and he's still this he's still in the, the the Babylon type religion. So, but I mean that's why you have a lot of them that they keep going. Uh, so, a lot of people like making the comparisons with the Greek and Roman gods, but it's because they adopted one from each other. So you'll see the similarities like Mercury with Aries and things like that. I have actually an excerpt from. It's called Unexplained Mysteries of Babylon, where it talks about they have something in uh, the cuneiform tablet that they found talking about the story of the beginning of Babylon, where it says, Long ago, right after the flood, a man named Nimrod emerged in the scene of history. His name means let us rebel. He led the founding of the first great civilization, Babylon. He led them to rebel against God. He had tremendous power so much that he became a god in the eyes of the people. When, his when he died, his wife, Samarius, Semiramis, recognized that without him she might lose power herself, so she devised a clever plan. Semiramis was pregnant. She told everyone that the child in her womb was none other than re uh, Nimrod being reborn. So we see from the very beginning, it's the main thing that was said from the beginning that Satan instilled on Adam and Eve, which is rebellion against God. And since then, he led a whole belief system that you can become God. So it's kind of like what we have now, so like modern societies is kind of like what that we talked about in the new age, right? We talk, you guys talked about that. Yep. So the whole premise of Babylon is not necessarily that it's a place. It's just like we like we were saying earlier. Babylon is a system. It's the founding of what we now know as a religious system. But now we see in this day and age where we were talking about how does it all fall down with the different religions and things like that. We have a lot of similarities where in the culture we have references in the Matrix. Matrix, if you look at the Matrix, it's huge in occult references where a lot of people don't know about. We see things like, we were just discussing it before the episode, Star Wars. Star Wars stemmed from a lot of Taoists and uh, Buddhism, things like that. All Buddhism. Buddhism. My boy says Buddhism. <laughs> I remember that one episode he kept saying Buddhism and I was like, <laughs> yeah. Buddhism. Buddhism, there you go. There we go. Buddhism, Buddhism. is, yeah, is something else. <laughs> and like what we talked about in the New Age episode where everything is falling to New Age. So we have essentially what uh, a recent book that I read that I recommended to you guys, which was uh, The Fall of America, The Rise of the New Babylon, mm, which is essentially how America is like supposed to replace the Babylon that we see now. But we also see in Revelations that a Babylon is actually going to exist or be rebuilt. Actually, I have it here. So I don't yeah, know if yeah. you want to do it. Yeah, go. So uh, Revelation 17, uh, this is the point in the Bible um, where John is writing. After um, the, the um, saints have already been kind of martyred and everything like that, and the bowls of wrath are already kind of uh, being placed on humanity. Uh, chapter 17. Uh, Revelation. One of the seven angels who had come, who had um, who had seven bowls, came and said to me, "Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries." Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The women 
with a woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She had a, a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and filled um, in the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore the testimony to Jesus. It's kind of crazy, man. So Revelation, this has not yet happened. Okay, so this is something that is a prophetic thing yet to come, right? Yep. And it's it, the Bible uh, is describing is that this woman is not a physical woman, right? It's it's a symbolic thing. It's not like a, a literal woman with a purple sash mm-hmm. and a golden cup is has a some written on her forehead. It's this that same spiritual religion system way of thinking Babylonic system is now not only in operation but she's dressed in purple i don't know about you know if you know the the color purple means it's it's royalty royalty. so now she's in the position where all the saints are already been martyred now i run this Mm -hmm. now the system of thought this the the babylon uh, mentality is now running and it and it is crazy that it later it, it what's written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and abominations of the earth. And then, verse six, he says, "I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore the testimony of Jesus." So, this this is completely against. It's like two two camps, right? You got the Abrahamic camp, like with with Jesus and. All that, and then you got this Babylonian. I keep saying Babylonian. I don't even know if that's a word, <laughs> but this Babylon, Babylonian, Babylonian frame of thought, mm-hmm. and they're against each other, and we're fighting, and and at the end, it's saying that this basically is like the the system of thought that's running the world. Well, I think that's part of maybe why you know the. Jerusalem is attacked so much. Like there's so much scrutiny around Jerusalem because of its claims to be the people of God, the location that God put the people, and so on and so forth. Um, and Babylon, as far as its physical location, has been destroyed. So its original location is gone. Whereas Jerusalem, its original location is still there. Like the people, it's been sustained. Like God showing the world that my people that you have the counterfeit, I have the legitimate, and this society is a real ancient society. Many ancient societies have come and gone, and we can study and replicate, but go to a real ancient society, go to Jerusalem. That is the actual ancient society uh, that you can see uh, that the history has been preserved, that the writings are there, people are interacting, they're living, they're well, whatever, and there's a lot of scrutiny, there's a lot of uh, backlash, there's a lot of attacks on that area. And I think anytime you have a concentrated effort to destroy something in that regard, so you have the whole world wanting to destroy Jerusalem, like there's just upheaval of wanting to just destroy Jerusalem. For whatever reason, it just rubs people the wrong way. And then you have the person of Jesus. You have you have Muhammad, you have Buddha, you have uh, just you know so many other 
symbolic images uh, representing different religions, yet the main concentration of attack is Jesus. And there ha- and, and when you step back and you pull back, you know, from that, and instead of going with the norm, you have to think, why is there so much attack on this one individual or this one location? Like, like the claims that are being made from both are so exclusive that it's forcing people to feel some type of way about it from a human standpoint. From a divine standpoint, we understand that it shakes up the spirit realm. And that's why, hey, if you're Buddhist, nobody's trying to knock down nothing. You know, nobody's trying to, you know, dudes in pajamas walking around. Nobody's trying to go out and destroy the temples there. Um, you know, th- there, there seems to be a significant, uh, uh, you know, stronghold when it comes to, you know, those those kinds of things. So. Very, very good. I mean, uh, I have here a passage from one of the books uh, that was written. What was the culture of Babylon like? It says, the most famous innovation of ancient Babylonian culture was astronomy, which began as a study of astrology. They created stellar catalogs and a nearly perfect calendar of which the Jews later copied. They were able to predict eclipses, which they believed were not dangerous or evil times. These systems were the scientific basis of all the mathematical and astronomic legacy of ancient Babylon, so they also helped bring on the mathematics. Ancient Babylon still figures in the future of the world. Many of the religious ideas of the Babylonians are still taught in many of today's religions. Astrology was held in high esteem in Babylonian society much as it is today. The most important legacy that Babylon gave us was its role in the lives of the Jewish people. The Lord used Babylon as a tool to punish his people when they turned from him. The Bible also tells us that in the future, the Lord will punish Babylon just as he did in the past. So just as you described in Revelations, it is described in the occult that Babylon is supposed to rise again. So you had Saddam Hussein in the 1980s start establishing secretly the rebuilding of Babylon, which is now known as close to where the Euphrates River is, but closer to Iraq, to the actual rebuilding. Because in the time of when the Antichrist, the actual real person of the Antichrist, is supposed to set to rise, he's going to sneak in Babylon once again. That's going to be the capital of the whole thing. And a lot of people keep asking, how is this going to happen? Or why is it going to happen? But that's what's predicted to happen. Where originally I, I always was thought born, that it, he was because he's going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem yep. and sit on the throne, but saying that his actual capital would be oh. in Babylon. But of course, he's going to try to, to pass by and actually sit on the throne, just like in Jerusalem. That's what we see, Babylon infiltrating. So we have, like we've been discussing, the whole system. So it's in turn the rebellion of God, uniting, coming together, and rebelling against God. It's not necessarily, oh, let's come together, let's join hands, sing some kumbayas, and just say, hey, I love your religion, or coexist, what we see in the bunker state. It's all about... So, so in a sense, you said coexist, but if it's a if it's a new world order or a new age, where everybody is accepted, except for one group or two groups, then it's kind of going to what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, predominantly one group, uh, one is a location, the other is a person, uh, because if you if you think about your Jews and if you merge the Kabbalah, there's no issue. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. So Jewish it's specific, right? So so the Jewish history is an issue, but you can't 
erase history at this point. So even the things that we talked about last week where the the, the story of the, um, uh, what was it, the ancient uh, Sumerian uh, uh, tablets that were found and they, they have Babylonian ties and talks about the replication between Jesus, the story of Jesus and the mythology of that. The, the main difference is the historical evidence for Jesus and the myth- pure mythology of the other story. Like, that's always going to be the big premise. Like, um, in, in a lot of the writers and a lot of the the, his, the, the the people who make claims to say, well, you see, it's the same thing. This one has a torturous death. Jesus had a torturous death. Yeah, you can make the comparisons, but one has historical backing, actual historical backing with people, with locations, with verification, with written records. The other is a story and nothing more. In fact, um, as part of that story, going back to that resurrection story, and I'll get back to the other point, is the fact that this person, I think Ishkar, whoever it was that resurrected, or, uh, yeah, they're like the same. Uh, they resurrected over and over. Like there was reincarnation and resurrection over and over. So it was a continuation. Jesus, it was clear. There's one, there's die once, then the judgment. When I return, it's over. So, yeah, the, even to build on that, like if you, if you, just what you said. So if it's a reincarnation and it's something like in, found in every single religion, every single one except Christianity, because in Christianity, we were aware of the fallen state, but then Jesus comes. But then Jesus makes a statement, the only way to get to the Father is through me by my death, by, my, by believing in my, my resurrection, my sacrifice for the redemption of sin. Mm-hmm. It cannot fit in that frame right. of thought. So, so the whole the whole battle is there's a perfect God. You guys are not perfect. So if we broke it down simply, simply, like I have a couple coffee and we're just sitting here. I'm like, hey, guys, there's this God. He is perfect in every way. And when he created us, we rebelled against him. We made ourselves his enemies. And every day as we live, we continue to prove that we fall short of a standard that he's created, which namely is himself. And... And as a result of us making ourselves his enemy, um, we have to pay for our crimes against him. But he loves us so much that he he doesn't he doesn't just do away with our sin. He actually makes payment for our sin because there has to be a payment. There has to be he has to be a fair judge. He has to judge righteously for the crimes that we committed. Um, and so it, he does one of two things: either you are going to pay for your for your crimes, or he has a substitute to pay for your crimes. Just cling to the substitute, and you're good to go. Just like that. It sounds so simple. And it's like, oh, it's a no-brainer, no doubt. I'm going to cling to that. Oh, but by the way, when you do that, um, now you're going to get a new spirit in you, and it's going to change how you think, how you react. It's going to want you to be more like Christ. And and, and now you're going to want to give your life to him. But it's it's not something that you muster up yourself uh, it's something that he triggers in you, and then it just kind of happens, and you and you pursue it, and 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 now you're like confirming your election, and you do all this stuff, and you're just a different person, and people are gonna hate you because of it. But, but I wonder, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's kind of like what you were saying earlier. Like it's very specific, because even it's in the time, true. even even in the time of Jesus, they hated Jesus, and they're all Jewish at this point. We're talking about just Jewish people. So there was this, what they would consider like a sect of, of that, mm-hmm. but it was the followers of Jesus specifically 
Yeah. Because the main issue that we just look at the main thing, the main issue is that we want to be God. Mm-hmm. We want to be in control of 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 where what we achieve, like that Maslow's hierarchy or whatever. We want our self actualization. Uh, we want that we for want ourselves. To determine what we consider Co- good. Correct. We set our rules. Correct. But when we say somebody else is making that judgment, then it's like, whoa. And but we have here's here's a solution. Like it's crazy because there is a clear solution, and then there's a his there's a history that follows, and it's so crystal clear. Then you have Islam. Islam is similar in some ways, radically different in everything else. One thing they don't believe in the um, the fall of man, so they believe that they're inherently good. There's inherent goodness. Yeah. And you earn your salvation, so you don't need a substitute because you're inherently good. You can do good deeds, and he's going to owe you at the end. So you are in control. Your self-actualization is very much in line with Hinduism, with Buddhism. Like It's all the enlightenment type of thought process that you don't need a, a God to pay for your penalty. So, and that's, um, that's what the, the scholars continuously study. That's what stems for all the false religions in it, Babylon. They're all there, right? And then one religion is here, yet that one religion is getting so much scrutiny, so much attack but if we because of the time, person. Yeah. And if we see with time, it shows specifically, especially with that quote I just said, it said um, that they came together and he formed that religion. But at the time, they were still true believers of God. So you have people always just stemming or going away from what it was supposed like to be. like the time of Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. Daniel was a true believer, a follower of the God, but Nebuchadnezzar, he was he was not at home. He was in Assyria, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's basically, I say, he's making him and his friends are literally making a point to just follow God one hundred percent in the midst of this Babylon Babylon type thought, <laughs> Babylonic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so it kind of goes to show you yeah, that yeah, there's yeah. always going to be some hatred only towards. And but that's the thing, and I think that's the point that I I'm getting to without consciously getting to it. But as you guys are talking, I'm getting there. Like it's perfect. Um, is that if in fact it's just a copy, there's no issue. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. So if if the story of the resurrection of Christ is merely a copy of this Babylonian story, then there is no issue with Jesus. Like there should be no combating because we can merge together. Yes. But the issue is that it's not a copy. It is independent. It is historically proven. It is carved out. God wrote it. That's where the problem is. That's where the, the crux of it is. It's not parallel. That's the problem. If it was parallel, no issue. If it was self-actualization, if it was, if it was a, a by works system, no issue. But it's not. It's not. It's not a rebellious version of the carbon copy. It's, it's a, an entirely different thing. It is a, it is a clear distinction. And when you talk about the people of God, right? So we being the people of God, but. Us now, you know, joining in through Christ. So now we are part of the lineage of of of, of Jesus, right? So we we're part of the seeds of Abraham. But when you talk about like the location of Jerusalem, like that's where it becomes more where it becomes interesting as well, because now it's not just a carbon copy of this; it is its own thing. That's why there's so much attack. That's why because it's so original. 
it's it comes from God Himself. Now, I don't want anyone to who's listening to be confused to think that the Jews are are somehow now post Jesus like saved, like they're under the banner of righteousness through Christ. No. But make this clear that in the book of Revelation, God does separate 144,000 specifically. Correct. So you can see that he, he does 12,000 of every single the tribe of preservation so of his people. So he still loves the remnant, that he always has a remnant. That's what, yeah, it's it's the remnant that we see, uh, what is it, um, uh, Elijah? Where he says, uh, yeah, yeah, with, um, there's 7,000, like, oh, I'm the only one. No, there's 7,000, I've a yeah. remnant that I've preserved from myself. Yeah. It's essentially what God has always done. He's always kept the people for himself. Always has. Even in the midst of turning away. But it's that originality that's the issue. So when you have the, the, um, you know, you have these, these, uh, these accusations from Zeitgeist and these other things that say, well, you know, it's Jesus is just one of many and it's just the fish and it's just this. Even, even the thing with the bumper sticker and the fish and stuff. That's not Christianity. You know, biblical Christianity does not doesn't have bumper stickers. You know what I'm saying? Like that's man made. So so you can make the accusation of that, but I could throw it out because it has nothing to do with or biblical how Christianity. People usually go like a lot of the Jehovah's Witnesses like throwing out the cross and the stake and saying that, oh, you guys focus too much on the symbol. In in scripture the, you know, like there's there's the the execution and then there's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Which there's I always not wonder I always wonder yeah. like that symbol is a, a Almost like it, the Bible describes it, uh, cursed is every man that goes Hangs on, a on a tree. So yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to curse. I can understand from another viewpoint Correct. that that's the resurrection. But that doesn't symbol resurrection. That symbols his death. You know, I, love I thank God for his death. Yeah. But I thank God for more than we talk about the resurrection yeah. is the power. Yeah. Without the resurrection, but I mean, you have those people that defend it by saying that they're carrying the cross. Like they're carrying the cross daily and dying for it. That's the same as someone saying, I'm touching the Bible when I enter my house and I touch yeah. the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm touching the Psalms and I'm good to go. Remember um, Ivan? What was, what was his, uh, his, uh, his religion man? So religion man, uh, <laughs> Ivan, shout out to Ivan. I loved, uh, and I don't know who it was in our group that, that had said it. I don't know if it was somebody, but I remember him saying it. Where, um, where somebody had given him a cross, or somebody was like had a cross, and he looked at it. And he's like, "Yo, my man," because uh, it had Jesus like on there. He's like, "Yo, I don't know if you know, but he's no longer on the cross." Like when he said that, I just love that he said that, and I was like, "Yo, it's so true." We have this symbol of that, but he's not there. He's he's ascended. He is reigning. He's angels are are, are surrounding him, just like. Glory, no holy, holy, holy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not an infant. He, he's reigning. He's the book of Revelation. He's he's dressed in white, and he's coming, and he's, you know what I'm saying? Like, king of kings, lord of lords, just speaking, and bam, power. Like, it's different than the imagery that we are imposing, that we create. We create the bumper stickers. We create the the charms, because that's what it is, the charm. And and my boy G can tell you all day about charms. You don't want no charms on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're rocking a cross, I'm not saying, you know, whatever. I'm just saying, like, think about it. Just think. Take a step back and think. Why are you doing it, period? Right. If it's a reminder, if it's good, fantastic. Continue that. Because it could turn bad real fast. An example of it is uh, Solomon, where he was a good God-fearing man. And then as he, de as he had wives come in and he started developing the system, 
even though he knew or had all this wisdom, and at the end of the day where he left all that behind, he just said, it's all about God. Everything else is vanity. Right. right. So, you know, whatever activity we're involved in, and again, we're not trying to be legalistic here, but any activity you're involved in, if you rock the cross, you rock the bumper sticker, do your thing, just make sure you have a stance on it because you're going to get backlash. And there's these small things that can throw people like way off their yep. faith. And and even, when you know, you start apologetics, that's, the, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, speaking to the Hebrew Israelites, you go down there, these yep. dudes are studied up. They have all these books. And if you if you don't have if you're not like grounded and be able to follow the system and you're like, hold on, wait, time out. You can identify what's true and what's false. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, pull back, do research, take a moment, take a breath. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to, like last week. That's why when G had brought up the thing with the, you know, from the resurrection, I didn't know too much about it. So I was like, I had to pull back. I was like, I can't even comment because I need to understand. And after I read it, I said, now I get it. But I had to read up on it. I had to get learned because let's say we were in that context where he just threw that at me and we're in the street. He just threw that at me. Boom. If I'm not strong in my faith, if I, if I don't trust in the Lord, that would have thrown me off to be like, yo, is the resurrection real? Yeah, like, we, question my faith we in the heartbeat. questioned that a lot when, you, when uh, we first started or when I was throwing stuff at you hardcore that you called me like at 2 in the morning for like those talks we used to have. Because it's, it's, it's tough. Like, I remember I would go on forums and I would have like Muslims debate me or I'll have atheists say, oh, what about like uh, you're doing birthdays? Birthdays is not... Uh, Christian or the crosses Dogmas and stuff like that. Yeah, and I was just like, hold on. Let me let me take a day, let me research, and then I'll come back to you. Because that's what we don't do. We try to automatically just say, oh, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to give me the words right then and there, which I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But sometimes the Holy Spirit is telling you, you got to read up. Like, you have to prepare yourself. Uh, Paul didn't just go and just say, hey, I'm going to just talk to the Greeks. He actually stayed with them, learned what they believed, studied up as well, and then he started debating them and going head-to-head with them. And, and within even in that, when you see in, in, in Acts 17, as he's talking to people, some people walked away. Mm-hmm. And some people followed him. They wanted to talk more. But just because the people walked away doesn't mean they, didn't, they weren't thinking about it. doesn't mean that they didn't do research. doesn't mean that they weren't challenged and maybe later on you know, converted. And it doesn't mean the people that walked with Paul drew near to God. That, that doesn't mean that either. Um, you know, and I think when we get into debates with people and we start to get backlash, some people argue for argument's sake. Yep. And Ravi Zacharias, uh, I, I remember he was doing a lecture and he said something along the lines of, um, you know, some people just, ultimately, you're not going to reason someone into belief in Jesus because the evidence is clear. It's not, a, it's not a, an evidence issue. It's a sin issue. It's a heart issue. So for people to come to Christ, it's a supernatural work of the Lord revealing himself to that individual. And the response is necessary, right? But uh, at times I think we, 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 we put too much of ourselves on the, on the discussion, the argument. Some people just want to argue for argument's sake. So you can have all the – I can have everything on point with you, boom, 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 systematic. I break it down for you. And dude's still like – Sounds good, but I'm kinda, gonna go do my thing. Kind of reminds me of um, the like myself, <laughs> like no, when no, I was young. <laughs> no, in times of Moses, like um, yes. So through God and, and the staff, the, the seas are parted. This, I don't know about you, but if I'm walking through a sea that parts, yo, I'm like, whoa, this is the real God. 
Moses goes into the mountain to speak with God for like 40 days or something like that, right? In the meantime, these people recreate the calf mm-hmm. back to the Babylonians' frame of thought. They were they were God's people, but they were they allowed to be infiltrated into the frame of thought. And as soon as he go Moses goes to the mountain to meet with God, they just completely rebelled because it's their frame of thought. We're battling a systematic thing. It's kind of like the like um, generation. Mm-hmm. Like I know that a person that's fourteen doesn't think like me. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like that. Like frame we are both humans, but we come from different frames of thought. So the problem is, is in the future that ba- Babylon is a frame of thought, not a physical place, mm-hmm. and this is what we're battling. Well, that's where you said physical place. That's where man. So the resurrection of Jesus was a bodily resurrection. And many of these thought processes out there, including the, because I guess Babylon is so used to being this non-physical place, right? It's a, it's a, it's a thought, it's a whatever. Um, they're promoting Jesus' resurrection was spiritual. So as Christians sitting in church, listening to this podcast right now, believe that the resurrection of Jesus was a spiritual thing. So the physical body doesn't matter. And look at back to the mo- these But people. it was a bodily resurrection. Well, back to these people. have some stuff about that. Just in case. Hold on, hold on, real quick, real quick. Back to these people. They just saw the biggest miracle. I don't know if you saw, but like the sea parted. Mm. And they, the physical miracle of that. And this dude is gone for, for a month and a half. Whatever, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's... By the time he comes back, he's coming back with the law. He's coming back with God's. He's going to set up a kingdom. God promised them the land of Israel, milk and honey, right? Mm-hmm. That you're going to have your own place. Your own place. They weren't established yet. But it doesn't negate the fact that they went through that miracle. They saw the evidence. But even in the midst of that, they the frame of thought was more powerful. Well, let's go even back before that. How many miracles did they see before that? The preservation of the firstborn. So if they come from a, a thing of magic, then they, of course, that yeah. that you turn that thing to snake. But the last one is what got them when uh when he kills all the firstborn. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, firstborn. You had uh, so we, God. God is always separating himself. Even in times of Jesus, there probably was a lot of mysticism at that point. That's why they're like, "Who's this Jesus doing this stuff?" But hold up, he raised somebody. What was the thing that sentenced Jesus to death? He raised Lazarus, his homeboy, after four days. Because they knew after three days or whatever, they, they believed. But after four days, he comes back to life. And they were like, everybody's going to believe in these, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Everybody's going to believe in Jesus. We got to kill him. So it's not the mist, even when they say, what miracle are you going to, Jesus, the Pharisees are talking to Jesus. What miracle are you going to show me that I may believe? He's like, what are you talking about? The fact that you don't know, you can't change your frame of thought. You can't even see what I just, look at all the miracles you're doing. He Later he says, out of all the miracles that I've done, which of these have you, are you sentencing me to death? He goes, we just sentenced you to death. We know you're not the son of God. So it's kind of like that. Like We're battling, bro. It, it's, it's two frames of thought. But I mean, isn't it like, uh, I believe it, it was Thomas, when Jesus used himself to Thomas. It mm. said specifically Jesus revealed himself to Thomas. Mm. So it wasn't like Thomas was seeing Jesus, but 
Jesus revealed himself, and that's when he touched him and everything. He was just like, my Lord, my God. Well, in that, in that particular verse, it doesn't even say he, like he says, go ahead. And he doesn't even put his fingers. Like, there's the preaching that says he puts his finger in. But when you read the verse, he doesn't put his finger. He doesn't test it to be like, oh, cool. Oh, my finger went in. He says, go ahead and put your finger in my wounds and begin to worship. But exactly right. He had to reveal himself to him. The, you know, the, well, when you talked about last time, the people that were walking seven miles with you last week. Didn't even see him. Like we're talking about the ascension after yes. right after he rose and the resurrection and the people walking back and they're talking about everything that happened. And I like uh, Jesus Matt pulled Chandler's, up to them. Matt walking. Chandler's uh, sermon about yeah. seven miles, seven <laughs> miles, seven miles. Um, you know, and and it and it's it's important just all these small details that you kind of get out of it. Uh, the resurrection being a bodily resurrection. The you know the the the. the, the you know the the chronological order of of things. The you know just it, it's it's we get so confused because we're easily deceived and we want to be deceived. And using Israel as an example is exactly that. Like no matter how many miracles we see, no matter how many prayers are answered, that's why throughout all of the Old Testament, God is telling the people, "Don't forget what I did for you." tell this story to your children and grandchildren. Like, you have to remind yourself all the time. Like you said, the sea opened. Yeah, they saw so many miracles before that happened. And while they're walking through the wilderness, God's providing them food from heaven. Their shoes are not being worn. Like, their shoes are being preserved. Their children getting bigger and all, and they don't have to change out shoes. Like, it's just, it, it's fine. Like, God doing all these things and them being witness to it. But after a while, you become numb to it. You're just like, all right, God, you know what I'm saying? I know you did all this for me, but shrug your shoulders. Yeah, yeah, what else you got for me? What else you got? What else you got? And God's saying, remember what I did for you. And we want, what else you got? What else you got? What else you got? What else you got? We're never satisfied. We're never going to be satisfied. But, I mean, that's why he also does the warning, and he continuously tells his people, turn back. Because at the moment, they keep asking, and then they see that God's not giving them that, or they'll just be like, I could do it myself. They'll just like completely disregard and go their own way. So they'll build that calf or they'll follow that idol. They'll follow that religion or belief system to feel that or fill that hole, even though they still have that God that they're pulling at. And I want to make this clear um, just to finish the story. God opens up the earth and destroys those people in one altogether in the earth. Mm. So God, there is a punishment for this particular vein of thinking. Yeah, we see even in Revelation that the whole world is going to be mesmerized in this thought process. They have no choice but. No wonders this is going to be persecution against what you were talking about. It's so different. Christianity is so different, so set apart yeah. from every other thought. Yeah. That yeah. They have no choice but to get rid of you, you know? Have to. Have to. There's perfection. Um I don't know if you want to play a quick clip of, of the thing. Because no, I, I, I read, that was Got exactly you, got you, got you. Okay. Uh, so, so check him out uh, when you get a chance. But uh, very important, remind yourself every day, be, be, be so in tune with the reality of your position in Christ. If you are a Christian, uh, preach the gospel to yourself always, every day. You know, we forget it. I forget it. Um, you know, get caught up very easily and entangled in 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 what the world has to offer 
and and being enticed by the different forms of idolatry that arise in my heart. You know, John Calvin says the heart is an idol factory, and I'm guilty of creating idols within my heart and all the time and having to catch it. Um, and so remind yourself, preach the gospel to yourself, get in your word every day, pray, get around uh, other believers uh, so that you're not deceived. And that's what this world is really out to do. And we are in this world, right? So before we were in Christ, we were part of that culture that was deceiving others because we ourselves were deceived. Uh, but because God in his mercy has revealed himself to us, now we can see. Now we have eyes in which we can see. And and that should give us so much enthusiasm. That should give us so much grace to other people, not be Christians that are that are walking around and, and, and you know, oh, look at him and I'm wearing nice clothes and all that. No, it should be opposite. We should be totally full of grace and and, and, and wanting to 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 love on people, to serve people, to, to preach uh, the gospel, which is good news. It is good news that we don't have to pay the penalty for our sin. It is fantastic news that uh, that although we were under condemnation, there is a substitute. Uh, he is uh, the one who is going to bear our burdens. He's the one who has taken it upon us and that he gives us justification. He justifies us even while we were in our trespasses and our sins. Like, that's good news. Share that. Be confident in sharing that. Um, you're going to get turned away. You're, I turned myself away from, from sharing that good news, but it's good news. And so, um, so be encouraged with that. Um, uh, stay in your word. Love on people. And, um, and real quick, I had, this, I had one, one of the high school kids um, uh, when I was talking about, you know, what careers does everyone is looking to do and, and all that. And and he was in the back, and he had his hat on, and he was slumped down in his chair, just mad quiet. He had a full beard, uh, like full beard. I thought it was like Joe Manny's eyes. And uh, he was like, I'm going to be a pastor. And I was like, and, and I just, I don't know why I probed him. Like in the school, I'm probing him. I'm like, so, so you know, what what's the purpose? Because that's what we're talking about, the purpose. And he's like, because I'm called. And I was just like, Phew. Yeah, that's just stuff. So, so yeah, so I pulled him out afterwards when everybody was leaving. I told him I was like, "Look, man, are you willing to to you know? Don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, being a pastor is not a career choice; it's a calling. So, it, are you are you willing to love and serve people, even if that means you're working a full time job, nine to five, whatever it is, and then you're serving the people as a pastor? He looked at me dead in my eyes. He's like, "Yes, yes, do it." Do it, do it, and he like gave me a dab, had a big smile on his face, and stuff. Um, but uh, but that's encouraging to see, like this generation for one kid and all those to say that, like, yeah, that gave me so much energy for the one you didn't expect, right? It was like, yo, the one who was in the back slumped down with a be full. I'm talking about a full. Maybe beer, he was though. bored because you were talking about careers, and he was like, I already know. I'm gonna be I already, called, I already so. know what. I'm what doing. was like <laughs> the end of the day? It was like after lunch. He's like, you know, probably recovering, got diarrhea or something. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like he's recovering. Recovering for that public, public school lunch. <laughs> public, <laughs> public school lunch. Public bathrooms. You know what I'm saying? Um, but but that's it. That's all we got. Any any last things you wanna you wanna drop in there, G? Uh, yeah. Right. That's what's up. So uh, so check us out. Check out. All of our platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, listen to us, promote us, 
help us out. Um, the name of that that channel is called again. The uh, video Fuel Project. Check out Fuel Project on YouTube. Get get uh, get your apologetics up. Uh, but we're signing out. Love you guys. Uh, Mike.